Devils taking on the Rangers, and I decided to do a crossover with John Chick of Locked On Rangers, so we have a lot to discuss in this episode. Buckle up, and also, my prediction for the New Jersey Devils might stun you. Do I have too high expectations for them? Well, I'm going to talk to uh, John Chick of my thought process in today's crossover episode. Buckle up. Your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, this is Bryce Salvador, and you're locked on Devils with Trey Matthews. Scores! Oh, Steven stepped up, nailed him. Rodora's got the puck. What a shot. The Devils win the Stanley Cup. All righty now. What is up, New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast. You're on Locked On Network. I'm your host, college hockey play-by-play announcer, and also Devils writer for Pucks and Pitchforks, Trey Matthews. I am still on vacation. I am still not accustomed to the three-hour delay here on the West Coast, but I'm enjoying my time in Sin City right now. But it is game day for the New Jersey Devils as they will be taking on the New York Rangers. So uh, I am doing a crossover with John Chick of Lockdown Rangers. We're basically going to be discussing uh, respective players on both respective teams. So I ask him about Shashurskin and Fox. He asks me about Hughes uh, and also Dawes. And uh, just full disclaimer, we did this crossover a couple days ago before the Columbus Blue Jackets game. So that was before the New Jersey Devils lost and as you remember Nico Dawes was in net for that game so just giving you that little bit of disclaimer so whenever I talk about Nico Dawes it's prior to the Columbus Blue Jackets game but anyway we have a great discussion in terms of just talking about personnel what uh, our teams bring to uh, the the table and also we're going to give our predictions at the end of the episode and my prediction might stun you because usually when we're going up against a juggernaut team well I guess the Rangers aren't really a juggernaut team but still they are way better than us and the standing show it but still uh, I I might surprise you with uh, my pick because usually when we're playing against good teams like the Rangers who are a few slots ahead of us in our uh, respective division usually I'm on the safe side and just say maybe the Devils just don't really have the guns or the full strength to beat the Rangers but you know uh, John Chick mentions in this episode that every time the Rangers and the Devils play uh, one another it's uh, always a close competitive game so uh, upsets can happen so uh, I'm fairly confident about the New Jersey Devils especially since they've been playing well the last few games remember their last game against the Columbus Blue Jackets not really much to complain about in that instance so uh yeah just putting that out there and before we bring in John Chick of Locked On Rangers it is time for the first and only live read this morning and it comes from our friends at Built Bar I certainly need a Built Bar because like I said three hour delay over here on the west coast and also Las Vegas is only lively at night it's a city that never sleeps or or is that uh is that New York but still uh you, you get the gif of it Las Vegas just is always uh nighttime life so I need a built bar to get my energy going to hit all these uh, fancy places so uh, this is the time of year that I pretty much have given up on all my New Year's resolutions but not this year I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to built bar it almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them have you ever tried puffs if you haven't you're missing out on one of built bars best tasting bars puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow they're fluffy they're marshmallowy they're not just a protein bar they're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy simony churro coconut marshmallow banana cream pie so good they're going to be your new favorite all built bars are covered in 100 real chocolate and check out these stats uh there's most built bars contain 130 calories four grams of sugar four net carbs and 17 grams of protein compare that to a candy bar which usually has around 240 calories 30 grams of sugar and a dozen net carbs
carbs. So you be the judge of that. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. If you think a flavor might be good, they'll make it and it'll be delicious. It'll be good for you. I have no idea how they do it, but somehow, some way, they always find a way. So the offers go to built.com, use promo code locked15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, it's time to bring in John Chick of Locked On Rangers and have our discussion. So let's take it away, John. All right, welcome Ranger fans and Devil fans. Special crossover edition. Like I just mentioned, this is John Chick with Locked On Rangers, joined by my good friend Trey Matthews from Locked On Devils. Trey, it's been a while, man. How's everything going? And uh, how excited are you for this division matchup on Friday? I mean, I'm really excited, John. Uh, the Devils have me a little iffy right now because they've been on a hot streak in terms of scoring a lot of goals. Uh, but at the same time, they give up a lot of goals because we don't really have much goaltending. So, um, you know, they, they leave me some sort of way. Like, uh, against the Vancouver Canucks, we were able to win 7-2. to And then against the Chicago Blackhawks, we lost 8-5. to Usually you could beat a team if you score five goals. But when you let up eight goals and you let two players get hat tricks, it's it, it can leave you feeling some sort of way. But then again, we were able to score seven goals on the Montreal Canadiens. We were able to score seven goals against the St. Louis Blues. That could be wildly inconsistent, but somehow, some way, I don't know the exact number, but the Devils have become one of the more, I guess, one of, one of the more interesting offenses in the entire league just because they're scoring so much lately. And it, it's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. Just like post-All-Star break, the Devils have been scoring a lot of goals. I haven't been really been seeing anyone talk about it all that much, but I think it's something that we need to address, which is, you know, Devils have gotten better on the offensive side of things. Defense and goaltending is still a work in progress, but we're getting there. So for, to answer your question, feeling a little iffy about the Devils, if I'm being completely honest. Fair enough. I mean, they have not lacked for entertainment in any of their post-All-Star break games here. But uh, like you said, obviously some high-scoring games, and they got to tighten things up defensively a little bit. But, you know, you touch on the goalie situation, and that's something that I wanted to ask you about anyway. Uh, you've got Blackwood and Bernier both on the IR as of this recording. Uh, the good news for you, Trey, is uh, this Nico Dawes kid seems to be playing pretty well. I mean, he's got a goals against average of 2.50, former third-round pick. What are you seeing from him? I mean, I know he's just 21 years old and it's a small sample size, but what are you seeing from him? And is there any reason to believe that, you know, he could become a fixture of devil's hockey going forward here? Okay. I'm going to crawl before I walk. I am not going <laughs> to jump to any conclusions. He's been having a good few stretches of games, but that should not exonerate what he was doing at the beginning of the year. Because the thing is we were playing musical chairs with, um, with John Gillies, Akira Schmidt, and also himself, Nico Dawes. So, He's been having a good stretch of, of games lately. So according to Amanda Stein, uh, Nico Dawes has uh, only given up just three goals in his last two starts. And in that time, he faced 76 shots. That's really good. That's fantastic. However, I am not jumping the gun on anything on Nico Dawes. For right now, he is a for now situation. He is not a long-term solution. It's a for now situation that I think is working pretty decent for the Devils. I said in one of my more recent episodes that I think keeping Nico Dawes as our starting goalie is the best case scenario moving forward if the Devils want to just at least rack up a few more wins. But for right now, not jumping to anything, not jumping to any conclusions, not going to say he's going to be a fixture of Devils hockey in the future. For right now, I'm just saying he is good uh, in the present. But it's still a long season. He's still relatively young. I know what he did at the beginning of the year, which was not impressive, which is why he saw his himself back in the AHL. So I'm, I'm just saying, like, um, he, he's been, you know, doing pretty well for the Devils. I've been calling him Jaws because, you know, he's been, like, eating up those goals like a shark. But um, 
for, for right now, I'm, I'm just like very conservative when it comes to Nico Dawes and his overall development because this is the same guy that um, he let up like what, like four goals against the Calgary Flames. He, he saw like um, he saw like seven shots and, and, and he let up four of them. And then um, we didn't see him for a good while. So against the Ottawa Senators, he wasn't exactly all that hot either. And against the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, he was able to come in and save the day. But for right now, I'd say it's working. It's working pretty well. But I still remember that Calgary Flames game. He is still young. He is still inexperienced. And there's still a lot of work to be done. Right now, the Devils are outscoring their opponents. But that could be wildly inconsistent. We need some, like, you know, we, we just need to hunker down a little bit. And we're doing that. But for right now, I'm just backing away right now. I got gotcha. you. Um, it's funny you mentioned the Calgary Flames because obviously the Rangers are having a pretty nice season. They haven't had too many blowout losses, but man, they got us twice earlier in the season. Once was like six nothing. I think the other was like five to one or something like that. So that brings up some bad memories. But uh, you know, I, Trey, I figure I'll, I'll let you brag about Jack Hughes a little bit too because he's obviously having a, a great season, and obviously him and Capo Caco going to be forever linked as the one and two picks respectively in the uh, draft a couple of years ago. So uh, what are you seeing from Hughes? How much fun has it been to see him progress the way he has? And how excited are you for the future? What more can I say about the kid? Now, I cannot mention Jack Hughes and not mention Alexi Lafreniere. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you about Lafreniere a little bit because he's been a little bit of a disappointment these uh, last couple of seasons because he was supposed to be the clear-cut Calder winner. He was supposed to be all this, that. Uh, NHL did a simulation on Shell saying like he was going to win all these accolades and stuff like that. I, I, I'm going to get on you a little bit on that, John. But going back That's to your fair. question about... Um, about uh, Jack Hughes. What more can I say about the kid? He he is taking the league by storm. An all-star this year, participating in the breakaway challenge. The biggest what-if this season for the Devils was, what if Jack Hughes was healthy the entirety of the season? Because everyone seems to have forgotten that he missed a good chunk of the season early on due to a shoulder injury that he, that he suffered in the, um, in the second game of the year. So the biggest what-if for us was that, what if Jack Hughes was healthy? Because I think next year, and this is not a hot take, but I believe Jack Hughes can get up to 100 points come next season. I think he is very capable of doing that because he not only makes himself better, but he makes the people around him better. So a player I'm going to give you an example for is, uh, is Sharon Govich. Sharon Govich got off to a really so, slow start to the year. But then again, you got to remember, Jack Hughes got hurt in the second game of the year, and he missed significant time. And at some points, Sharon Govich was a healthy scratch. And the thing about Sharon Govich is that we had high expectations for him coming into the season because he exceeded expectations last year during his rookie year, and he made some noise in the Calder Memorial Trophy race. I believe he got one second-place vote, so nothing impressive. But at the same time, he was still making a decent name for himself. So I, the, the thing about Jack Hughes is that he not only makes himself better, but he makes the people around him better. So I'm going to brag about Jack Hughes, but I'm also going to brag about uh, Jesper Brat. Now, Brat and Hughes don't play on the same line anymore, and that's best case scenario for the Devils because they need more options up and down their line combinations. But uh, I, I, Jack Hughes does not have the season he is having if it's not for Jesper Brat because Brat is having a career year right now, and he deserves a lot more respect because um, everyone just talks about Jack Hughes, and that's great and all, but you know, while Hughes was out, the Devils were still within striking distance of trying to get tops into the Metropolitan Division, albeit the expectations weren't really, you know, all that realistic, but they were still probable. So, but at, at the same time, who was keeping the Devils up afloat? It was it was Jesper Brat. So, uh, Jack Hughes has been phenomenal this season. I'm proud that the kid was an all-star. I'm proud that his career is developing. He'll be the first Devils player 
And mark my words, because he signed to an eight-year extension, so we have him for a long period of time. If all goes well for him, if he doesn't have any setbacks, if all uh, just goes as planned, he'll be the first Devils player to reach 100 points in franchise history. Uh, Patrick Elias was four points uh, away from 100, but he never reached 100. So Jack Hughes is about to make Devils history, despite him being so young. Yeah, I mean, the talent is obviously there, and uh, I know you wanted to ask me about Alexi Lafreniere. Any specific question, or you want me to just start talking about him? I mean, what, what's... What's going on with them? Because, you know, here we we were having a discussion, like, I believe just like a year and a half ago, saying, who's better, Lafreniere or, or, or Hughes, or who's going to become the more impactful player? Albeit, you guys are way ahead in the Metropolitan Division, so I'll give you credit where, where credit is due. You guys obviously got Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy. You guys have a lot of hope despite being so young, but what's going on with Lafreniere? We can't just, you know, forget about him. No, of course not. And it's funny you mention uh, Lafreniere, Trey, because when we, we do a lot of these crossover episodes, I see you doing crossovers with different hosts as well. And this topic comes up any, when I do crossovers more than anything else is, you know, what's going on with Alexi Lafreniere. Um, yes, uh, to date, you know, obviously we're past the midway point of his second season in the NHL. Did I think that he would probably have a, a, a few more points in his career at this point than he currently does? Yes, absolutely, I did. Uh, but I think, you know, overall, he has gradually progressed as these two seasons have gone on here. And when you look at a uh, key change that the Rangers made in the lineup, you know, you mentioned about how Jack Hughes has helped Sharon Govich. I think there's something similar going on with the Rangers right now with Alexi Lafreniere, because for the most part, early in the season, he was playing mostly on the Ranger third line, and he was out there with Philip Hedl and Julian Gauthier. Now, Hedl and Gauthier, they both show flashes. They both got tremendous speed. Um, you know, Gauthier in particular has some size to go along with that speed. I don't think there are two players on the Rangers who struggle to finish their scoring opportunities more than those two, and it reflected in Alexi Lafreniere's low assist total. I think there were times where, you know, some of his passes, I don't want to be mean here, but it's almost like they were being wasted on guys like Hedl and guys like Gauthier. And now, you know, Right before the All-Star break and in every game since the All-Star break, we've seen the Rangers put Alexi Lafreniere on the top line with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. Obviously, both those guys are having tremendous seasons, and I think it has worked great for him. His scoring has seen an immediate uptick. And listen, I know people like to rag on Lafreniere a little bit. It's kind of the fashionable thing to do if you're not a Ranger fan. But, you know, he's fourth on the team in goals. He's got a chance at a 20-goal season. And again, I, I know that everybody said generational talent and this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, hey, he's 20 years old closing in on potentially a 20-goal season. And I will say this as well. If the Rangers make the playoffs, which does seem likely right now, they still have some work to do, but it seems likely. And he lights it up in the playoffs. He scores a big overtime game winner. Nobody is going to care at all that he is slightly underperformed in the regular season. I, I think especially with New York sports, that's especially true. You can become an instant legend if you have a big-time postseason. So we'll that see what happens. But uh, I, I do think Lafreniere is at least progressing in the right direction even if he has underwhelmed to this to this point. Okay. I, I felt the same way about Jack Hughes because I, I think that's similar to his situation last year. Like, we saw improvement. It was night and day. But we just yeah. knew he could provide a little bit more. And it's the same with Nico Heizer. So, like, you know, with Heizer, it's just like he's picked it up the last few games as well because Heizer has been uh, – I, I think giving him more help on his line combination has really uh, done wonders for him. So, you know, I think that's a similar situation to Nico Heizer. But then again, Heizer has been dealing with injuries. So that's what's kind of derailed him a little bit. But uh, like I said, starting to pick it up. So I, I, I could see that. And you're right. In the big market, that is New York. If if Lafreniere is able, able to become like a, a hero in the playoffs or whatever the case might be, 
I think um, I, I I think you were right. He does have a chance to like maybe get his 15 minutes of fame, maybe. But like I said, big market. And um, another thing I want to ask you is like, uh, wh- where do you guys stand in terms of playoffs? Because you know I see your tops in the metropolitan division, but uh, when when looking at it, it's still relatively close in terms of just like you know uh, the top seeding at least. But are you comfortable with where you're uh, at right now? Because I, di- I did pick you guys to make the playoffs, if I'm being completely yeah. honest. I, or maybe just be that fringe team that just misses it. Just like I think that was a similar situation you guys faced last year, but I just expected you guys to jump forward. So, you know, you got the Hurricanes at the time of this recording. They have 78 points. Then the Penguins, 74. You guys have 71. And then the Capitals have 65. Not the biggest cushion in the world, but at the same time, if you were to fall to the fourth, I think, uh, barring anything catastrophic, I think you'll still get a wild card spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling you, you can never get too comfortable because, you know, you look at the standings right now, especially in the Eastern Conference, and there is a pretty massive divide between the eight teams that are currently in playoff positioning and the eight teams that are not. But I've been making this point on my podcast. All it takes for that to change is for one of the eight playoff teams to go into a losing streak, a slump of some kind, and one of the non-eight playoff teams to catch fire. So you can never get too comfortable. Uh, but yeah, you know, I'm thinking right now, I mean, it, it certainly looks like the Rangers are going to be a playoff team. And this was actually coming into this season. It's the third season of Locked on Rangers. This is the first time where I said I actually expect them to be a playoff team. I, I thought it would be kind of a photo finish, maybe come right down to the wire like you were saying, Trey. But uh, they've created some separation. That's obviously a good thing. Uh, we'll see what happens. I do really hope that they, at the very least, I mean, obviously you want to finish as high in your division and in your conference as you can, uh, hopefully get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs, if nothing else. Um, The one big thing that I hope does not happen is them to fall back to fourth place. I don't think that'll happen, but I think the Canes are going to win this division and they scare me more than anybody, if I'm being completely honest here, as far as a potential first round matchup for the New York Rangers. And we saw what happened a couple of years ago, the playoff tournament in the bubble, um, it's not like the Canes beat them 6 nothing every game, but they were just in total control of that series, swept them right out, and uh, that was pretty much that. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good, but obviously there's still some work to be done. There's still about uh, 30 or so games to go, maybe about like 28, something like that. But, uh, yeah, so far so good, and, you know, Rangers looking good for the playoffs. Okay, like like I said, I think I picked you guys to either make the playoffs or just be that fringe team, but there's a couple players I want to talk about. So Adam Fox, sure. obviously – Norris Trophy winner. Uh, How have you been liking his play so far this season? I mean, he's been awesome. You know, you can pretty much pencil him in for an assist per night. Obviously, uh, you know, he won the uh, the Norris last season. And I think a lot of, uh, I've probably been guilty of it as well. But a lot of us, you know, in the hockey media, especially with defensemen, you know, sometimes, you know, guys that are up for the Norris will kind of fixate on their offensive numbers. And that's all well and good. But I think Fox is just as valuable to the Rangers from a defensive perspective as well. Uh, This is something that I've mentioned before on my podcast, but I really think he defends the two-on-one break about as good or better as any defenseman in the league. I can't tell you how many times that a team comes in on a two-on-one break and Adam Fox is the lone guy back, and he basically just doesn't even allow them to get a shot off. I mean, not only does he take away the pass, but oftentimes he'll just straight up steal the puck, skate away with it. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he's a huge part of everything that the Rangers do. He's, he plays big time minutes on the power play. Uh, the Rangers, <clears throat> excuse me, their top power play unit has been absolutely lethal this season. He obviously runs point there. And on the penalty kill as well, you know, the Rangers have a power play unit and a penalty kill unit that are both in the top 10 in the league, at least as of a couple of days ago when I checked. And he's been a huge part of that as well. So the guy's just a total package. I couldn't be happier that the Rangers locked him up long term, the big eight year deal in the offseason. And the crazy thing, Trey, is that. 
he'll be a UFA. He'll still only be 31 years old when that happens. So it's not like he's going to be ancient. The Rangers might have to do another deal with him when that happens. Um, but obviously, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But uh, something else I want to ask you about, Trey. We got to talk about P.K. Subban a little bit here because oh, he's no. had a couple of questionable moments, shall we say, against the Rangers this season. Yep. Uh, you know, you had in the preseason, he uh, the slew foot on Ryan Reeves or borderline slew foot, whatever you want to call it. And then another one against uh, Sammy Blay in the regular season. Blay out for the season as a result of that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. I bet. Um, wait, 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 wait. Who did you guys trade um, to get Sammy Blay for again? Can you well, that would be Pavel Buchnevich. Oof. Pavel Buchnevich. I, I, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. And I, I haven't asked you this question yet, but sure. what was the mindset of trading away Buchnevich, a top six player for Sammy Blay? Like, what was the thought process in the first place? Yeah, a lot of Ranger fans were asking the same question. And from my perspective, uh, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, it's not my favorite thing that the Rangers have ever done. You know, I was a big Buchnevich fan, and he was one of those guys that got better every season, it seemed like. I think the reason that they made that trade, and this is why... I didn't kill the Rangers for this trade, even though, again, it was not my favorite thing that they've ever done. The reason they made that trade, they didn't think they were going to be able to pay Pavel Buchnevich long-term and afford you know, the kind of money that he was going to command. I believe he's now making $5.8 million per season with the St. Louis Blues. And of course, the Rangers in this offseason, you know, they did big money long-term extensions for Adam Fox, for Igor Shesterkin, for Mika Zibanejad. And so I think from a money perspective, the Rangers just didn't think they were going to be able to afford him. And then, you know, you look at some of the other young players. I mean, if things go as planned for guys like Kako and Lafreniere, I mean, eventually they're going to have to get paid too. So I think it was just kind of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a salary cap crunch. I think it was Chris Drury looking down the line a little bit and, uh, you know, just thinking that it would be tough to squeeze in Pavel Buchnevich under the salary cap. And, you know, Sammy Blay, Small sample size. I, I thought he was carving out a pretty nice role for himself on the Rangers, the, the few games that he ended up playing for them. And they did get a second-round draft pick in that deal as well. So, again, not my favorite thing ever, and it's tough to see Pavel Buchnevich just lighting it up in St. Louis. But I can at least understand where the Rangers were coming from when they made that deal. Okay. Now, back to P.K. Subban. Back to Tubo. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, obviously, the Reeves incident and the Blay incident that resulted in uh, Blay going out for the entirety of the year. I've talked about it on my show, but it was so long ago um, that I kind of forget how the play was, but I get what you're saying. It was a slew foot incident. P.K. Subban's leg comes up just a little bit. And um, the thing is, is like, I don't think Subban is a dirty player. I think he just played a little too hard in that case, if that makes sense. So uh, let, let, let me explain. Let me explain it to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, no, no. Absolutely. So Tim Peel, uh, former NHL referee, says that he's seen P.K. Subban do that before, where, you know, maybe it, it's not even him intentionally doing it. It's just like, you know, trying to make a dogged determination kind of play. So it, when looking back on it, I was just like, OK, for Ryan Reeves, do I think he deserved it? I mean, let, let, let's face it, John. Hasn't Ryan Reeves done some stuff in the past? That was like, I know he's done some stuff in the past because then the Players Association have to write a letter to him saying, hey, you need to tone it down a little bit kind of thing. I forget the specifics, but I know there's been a couple of incidents that have not been good. Uh, he hasn't had any of those with the Rangers, but I think there was an instance where he might have yanked somebody by his hair or something along those lines back when he was in Vegas. Um, I don't believe he's ever done a slew foot, but yeah, no. And even when the Rangers traded for him, I said, I got to be fair here. I talked all this smack about Tom Wilson. You know, Ryan Reeves has had a couple of incidents as well. So yeah, okay. that, that is fair to okay. say. He's had so, so like, moves. I think I said something along the lines, like, do I think uh, Ryan Reeves deserved it? No. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure Ryan Reeves has done it 10 times worse kind of thing. Like, you know, 
And then when we're looking at the Sammy Blay incident, unfortunate, yes. Do, you know, and I'm I'm sorry that Sammy Blay is out for the entire year. I'm sure no ill intent was, you know, meant for that kind of thing. But it, but in my opinion, I was just like, I'm not really see. Does his leg come up a little bit? Yes, but I just, it, it wasn't enough for me to just say like, oh, that's a dirty play or or what is he doing or that kind of thing. But I did say this on my show. If I'm PK Subban, you got to be a little more cognizant of what's going on kind of thing, because I think it's three strikes and you're out. So he's already been warned. He's already been fined. Now it's like if he does something similar like this again, it could result in a suspension based on my mentality. Like if I'm the commissioner, if I'm running the thing, I think it's just like, okay, he's been fined. He's been suspended. And um, or or, I'm sorry, he's been warned. He's been fined. And what's next? A suspension? So I think he, he has to be a little more cognizant of what's going on. And like I said, I saw the tweets from Team Tim Peel, former NHL referee, long-term. You know, he's done Stanley Cup, All-Stars, Outdoor, Classics, whatever the case might be. Um, you know, he just said P.K. Subban is not a dirty player. You know, he's just, you know, sometimes he just makes boneheaded moves. And that's that's uh, what's been going on for the Devils, not just P.K. Subban, but you know, we, we see the same thing from Damon Severson. Even Jack Hughes makes a few boneheaded mistakes. He made a boneheaded mistake against the um, against the Blackhawks that resulted yeah. in Patrick Kane getting his hat trick. So, like like I said, was it unfortunate that those things happened? Yes. Do I think it was dirty or any ill intent? No. Do I think it was stupid? Yeah, because it was just like, you got to be better than that. Like, be better. I, gotcha. I mean, I, I would have agreed with literally everything you just said after just the Ryan Reeves incident because I looked at that at the time and I said, okay, P.K. Subban, complete pain in the butt to play against, but not a dirty player to that point in his career at all. I don't think he had ever really done anything like that. And the other you know, point that I made at that time was, why would you want Ryan Reeves mad at you, right? Like, that. why would anybody want Ryan Reeves mad at them? So at the time I gave him the benefit of the doubt, but then there were a couple other slew foots against non-Ranger teams. And then he got Blay, and I was like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm done with this guy. But um, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. Hopefully to, to there's no headhunting. Hopefully there, I'm just hoping for no headhunting. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I don't think there will be. You know, I, I think if anything does happen, you know, maybe somebody puts a check on him or, or maybe, you know, there's an incident. You know, I know Kreider tried to fight him in the last preseason game there. Um, so maybe something like that happens. I, was just I, like, I don't think there's going to be any dirty play or anything like that, but you know, when, when these two teams play each other, as you know, Trey, it, it, emotions run pretty wild and it's usually pretty intense. And I, I think we're kind of in for a similar type matchup uh, on Friday here. Yeah. I was like, um, I, I remember Kreider was just going after him. Like, I think like a, a, as soon as like period number two or period number three started, whenever, whatever uh, period happened after the Ryan Reeves incident, like as soon as the puck was dropped, like Kreider went after Subban. Like, and I'm just like, come on, man. Like, like, you already went after him once. Why are you doing it again? Like, you know, yeah. I just hope, like I said, this was so long ago. So it's like, you know, I've kind of, uh, you know, it, it's taken me a while to for me to come back. But, you know, I, I get that that was a controversy I have talked about on my show. But um, like I said, uh, I think overall just no ill intent. Obviously, uh, if you try telling the Rangers or their fan base that, they're definitely going to have a different story. But at the end of the day, I, I think uh, – Subban, you know, I don't think he's a dirty player. I don't think uh, there was any ill intent. And like I said, um, he's already been warned. He's already been fined. I don't think he wants to be suspended. So, like I said, you know, when looking at the Ryan Reeves incident, he's done 10 times worse. Like, let's just, let's, that's just facts. And then for Sammy Blay, you know, I get it. But 
but yeah. you know, I I personally didn't see anything dirty. I just saw like maybe wrong place, wrong time, and just an, a series of bad luck kind of thing. Okay. But you know that that's basically my perspective. I know it's subjective, but that's basically what I saw. And I remember before I talked about it, I made sure to watch it at least ten times just to see like, okay, let's look at this closely. Um, okay, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So. That's my opinion. So, John, on my show, here's what I, before we actually do the predictions, I want to talk about Shashurskin. So, yes, Shashurskin, Vesna Trophy. How you feeling? I mean, he's got to be the front runner. He, he, unless something goes really south down the down the uh, stretch here, or you know, he's had a couple of injuries. He missed some time earlier this season. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen again because we need that guy in the playoffs. But, um. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the front runner for it. I mean, I know guys like Freddie Anderson, he's having a great season. Andre Vasilevsky's always in the mix. Uh, but you look at Igor Shesterkins, they're pretty much video game-like. I mean, he's hovering around at 2.0 goals against average. I think he might actually be under the 2.0 goals against right now. And his save percentage is bordering on getting, it's getting close to about 950. So, and on top of that, just the eye test. I mean, when you watch the Rangers night in and night out, the Rangers really, really stumbled out of starting blocks earlier this season. And the thing is, you wouldn't really know it because Igor just went out there night after night after night and just stole game after game after game. There was a game against Toronto. The Rangers had no business winning it whatsoever. Uh, he made, I think, like close to 50 saves. It went into overtime and Panarin won it. That's just one example. But uh, yeah, not only do I think he should be certainly the Vesna frontrunner, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some votes for the heart at the end of the season. I know that typically doesn't go to goalies and the Rangers have some other great players, which could work against him as well. But I got to think, man, he, he's got to at least be in the conversation when you, when you look at how good he's been this season. And I mean, his record is just stellar. He basically wins, you know, close to 80% of his games, I think is what it's at right now. So, uh, Shashurskin is kind of a, a sore subject because he got his first two career shutouts, both against the New Jersey devils last season. So that's a, a little bit of a sore subject, but I'm glad that now he's actually in the conversation for the Vesna Trophy because it goes to show you, hey, the Devils were just aware of his talent before everyone else was. So, yeah, yeah. very true, very true. Um, and, and one other thing that I want to ask you about, actually, let me let me ask you about this. I wrote down, I want to ask you about Dougie Hamilton because he was obviously one of the big, uh, you know, free agent prizes in this last year's pool, and he's had a good season from the Devils, from what I can see. But obviously, Trey, you watch more Devils hockey than I do. Uh, what's your take on Dougie Hamilton so far? Signing that big money contract, but, you know, having a good, but maybe not a, a fantastic season. Okay, so you say good, not fantastic. The thing is, um, prior to a couple games ago, Dougie Hamilton was out since January 2nd with a, with a facial injury. He actually had to get surgery. So, um, you know, he's having a very good season. I think it could have been better had he just played in more games. That's just, that's just the fact of the matter. Like, he was injured for a good amount of time. Devil's luck has been. Uh, do I think it's a bad contract? No, because it, it kind of like establishes our future for right now because uh, Dougie Hamilton the last couple of years was always in the top five for the Norris Trophy. Never won it, but top five. So it's just like, I believe he can, uh, I believe he can potentially win it someday. So I think we got him perfect. I don't think he's at his prime yet. He hasn't, he's certainly not hit his peak. So it's just like, uh, get him while the iron is still hot, you know, or, or warming up. I feel like he could take his game to another level. And the thing with Dougie Hamilton this year, the Devils win more when he's on the rink because he makes that great of an impact. So um, the, the stats prove it. I don't know the advanced analytics. I don't know what uh, stat you need to look at. This, like I know in baseball and basketball, they do wins above replacement. I don't know if it's the same thing in hockey, but the fact of the matter is my colleagues at Pucks and Pitchforks uh, confirmed this. They said that uh, – 
when Dougie Hamilton and Ryan Graves, when they were paired together, the Devils were in a better position to win. Obviously, they've uh, kept Dougie Hamilton on the first line uh, of defense and then uh, moved Ryan Graves down a, a, a spot just so we could get more options. But on the defensive side of things, it's just like Dougie Hamilton puts us in a much better position to win, and his numbers would be much better had he just not suffered that facial injury. Unfortunately, you know, took a puck to the face, and that's just how – that's how it is sometimes. And he had to get surgery and, it, and he was out for nearly two months. So, um, you know, for Doug Hamilton, I, I don't think it's fair to assess his season entirely just because he's missed so much time, but he, he certainly has potential. I think he could definitely win a Norris trophy in the next few years. And I definitely think he'll be an all-star next year. All right. sounds good. And uh, I figure, you know, half an hour has just kind of flown by with you here, man. I, I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface, but, uh, do we want to do some predictions? Anything you want to throw out for this game? A uh, final score, somebody to get on the score sheet, a fight, okay. anything, anything you want to toss out there? I am going to make a bold prediction. Yes, sir. I think the Devils are going to come away with the upset victory, and I think they're going to win 4-2. to two. No, 3-2, to 3-2. Two, three to two. Let me subscribe. 3-2, to two, regulation. I think the Devils have it in them. I think they have the offense. It, they are prone. They, they made the Penguins look foolish. I don't think they can make the Rangers look foolish, but I think it's possible. They've given me some some hope. So hopefully, hopefully they don't make me look stupid. I say Devils win 3-2, and I think the player of the game will be Jesper Bra. I think he'll get a goal and an assist. Okay, I've got the same final score, but I've got the Rangers winning at 3-2. Um, you know, I just feel like with this with this matchup, it's always uh, very tight. It's, it's hotly contested. Um, there's a lot of intensity. There's a lot of extracurriculars after the whistle. I get the feeling we're in for uh, a similar type game. Um, and I'll say this as well. I think uh, both Hughes and Lafreniere both score a goal. I, I know that's a matchup that a lot of people are going to be looking at, and I, I think that could very well happen uh, when these two teams take the ice on Friday. All right, cool. That sounds yeah. good, John. Well, we'll yeah. I'll hold your word to as always, it. man. Yeah. I'll be in Vegas at the time, so I'll be three hours behind, so you're going to have to, like, update me. It's all good, man. I got you covered. Um, uh, right, but cool. yeah, uh, this is a ton of fun as always. And uh, Ranger fans, Devil fans, we will see you guys next time. Okay, so you've heard my prediction. Thanks once again to John Chick of Lockdown Rangers for doing this crossover. Uh, he said at the end of our conference meeting that uh, he felt as though we could have talked for 30 more minutes. I really enjoyed just bouncing off of ideas with him, but ultimately we do have a time limit. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this uh, crossover of Lockdown Rangers. And also, you heard my prediction. So hopefully the New Jersey Devils can come out with a win and hopefully they don't make me look stupid. Uh, like I said, I'm not really judging too much off the Columbus Blue Jackets game because I don't think the Devils' momentum died after that game. I just feel as though it was just a series of uh, excellent plays by the Columbus Blue Jackets, some things that you just cannot uh, defend. So ultimately, I don't put the blame on Nico Dawes. Maybe a few defensive lapses here and there. Also, like, five-on-three disadvantage didn't help us. But at the end of the day, it, it, we, the Devils just couldn't finish. So I can't really uh, fault them in that regard. So let me know what you guys think down in the comments section if you're watching on YouTube. And also, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast site, hit me up at TreyMat4 on my Twitter page or on the show's Twitter page at Locked On Devils. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts. So as for today's episode, that's all the time I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. And also a full disclosure for tomorrow's episode. I don't think I'll be able to record an episode uh, after the game because I do have plans tomorrow night. And also, I'm not fully accustomed, like I said at the beginning of the episode, to the three-hour uh, delay over here on the West Coast. So it's really hard for me to gauge and judge and just plan ahead. So be prepared. 
prepared for tomorrow's episode to maybe be pushed back just a day later or two, whatever the case might be, because I leave Vegas uh, Saturday night. So I'll let you guys know what my thought process is. But uh, as for today's episode, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Once again, thanks for listening. Continue to stay safe. Have a wonderful day, New Jersey. Go Devils. And I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Devils, do not make me look stupid out there.